You have now arrived at Stadium and Gale. Girls, ladies, and gents, welcome to another episode of Stadium Miguel. It's your favorite Uncle Silk. It's Dan. And Del Torre. We back at the same corner at the same time, kicking and vibing out the 42-0 win versus the mighty Vanderbilt Commodores, right? That's right. <laughs> How um, was y'all's weekend? Mm. Silk, what'd you get into? A whole lot of relaxation, man. Not, not a good. whole lot. Um, a whole lot of football watching. Just, just vibing with the family, spending a little time with the fam. Uh, took my son, throw the ball around a little bit, watch some football. That's it. Once, once, the nooner, once the noon game is over, I'm out of there. Off, like off of, off of social media, off the grid, just vibing with the family a little bit. So that's been the vibrations of my Saturdays lately. I love it. I love it. Um, good, good, football, good football weekend. Nick, how was yours? I got a, a long thing to talk about. Yeah, I had a – Mom and dad were in town, so uh, that's always a good time uh, when, when they show up. Got a lot of stuff done uh, and enjoyed the first of possible several nooners, which uh, means I don't, you know, I'm not at the stadium at 2 a.m. So love a good nooner uh, and uh, don't know if I love an 11 a.m. or local time this week, but uh, I'll take it. Nick, you're, you're going to the New Orleans Baton Rouge combo this weekend, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I'll be – I fly Friday into New Orleans, drive up to Baton Rouge, spend Friday night in Baton Rouge because I don't trust myself on Bourbon Street with an 11 a.m. kickoff. Uh, so I'll spend my fr- spend Friday night in Baton Rouge and then after the game drive down. And uh, I think Zach Albaverde and I will uh, in- enjoy New Orleans on uh, Saturday. Paint the town nice. red. If you need no any suggestions, beats. let me know. No, it's not Mardi Gras. Are y'all taking me just in case? I've been many. I've been to New Orleans many times. Um, I can probably handle it for like forty-eight hours. So it's going to be a quick okay. twenty-four hour trip for me in New Orleans. Uh, made sure the Sunday flight was uh, afternoon, not not an early flight. So uh, hopefully we'll make it. And I did not book Southwest, so uh, I think I have a plane. You're you're lucky. I was uh, I was in Denver from Wednesday until until yesterday. I was one of the lucky ones that fortunately was able to get out. My flight was delayed about an hour and a half coming from Denver, which, you know, it is what it is. Fortunately, it was a direct flight. Uh, but boys, let me tell you what Denver uh, was an absolute, uh, just, uh, just a time of my life out there. Uh, Silk participated in the local economy uh, out there in Denver. Um, caught nice. my first ever show at the, uh, the Red Rocks uh, amphitheater, which was just absolutely incredible. Uh, got to see a, a DJ there, which again, um, still some music that I'm trying to dabble in. I saw Elenium, which is a big name. Everybody's excited to see him. Um, but if you ever get the chance to see anybody do anything at the Red Rocks Amphitheater out there, it is probably the coolest place uh, in the entire world. It's about 30 minutes outside of Denver. Uh, beautiful view of Denver in the background, huge um, rocks and everything. I mean, just an unbelievably gorgeous place. But let me tell you what, Denver, uh, shout out to the Rocky Mountain Gator Club. Uh, shout out to uh, John and his buddy who – 
um, treated me like I was a celebrity when I watched uh, the game at Jackson's uh, up there in Denver. But uh, great vibrations out there in Denver. Silk, I think it's uh, right up your alley, my friend. Oh, yeah, it's de definitely <laughs> on my alley. Um, I, I got to get back to Denver like soon. I am. Definitely, definitely my uh, cup of tea for sure. Uh, how's the Bender? Do you be on the Bender tour, man? You took the streets to, to Denver. What's next? Is Dan froze? Dan, Dan's frozen. Uh, that's that's the Bender kicking in right there. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he is. He's frozen, smiling. If you're watching on YouTube, Dan is smiling while frozen. Um, if you're only listening to this in podcast form, then uh, not doing much for you right now. Yeah, <laughs> not, yeah, yeah. Not great audio. Uh, the Bender <laughs> tour took us took took it to uh, Denver. We we're trying to figure out where it's going next, Dan. Yeah, no, sorry oh, guys, my uh, my streaming are crapped out on me. Um, the uh, the next trip is to Asheville, so a little bit different. Uh, in a couple of weeks, got a lot of exciting stuff between now and then, though. So, um, boys, let's get into um, next trips to intervention. Next trip A and E. Dan's gonna be on A and E Thursday night, nine p.m. Hey, right, right after uh, my 600-pound life, I'm here for Dr. Now and the rest of his <laughs> shenanigans. Um, all right, boys, let's get into the game. Uh, but before we do that, uh, Silk, give uh, Greg Brunn, our friends over at Brunn Insurance, a shout-out. Shout-out to the greatest insurance firm alive and in, in established in the state of Florida, Brunn Insurance and Financial Services. Anything you may need insured from the panhandle to the keys, my man Greg got you. Life insurance, you may want to insure that. Um, boat, car. Anything that moves, motorcycle, trailer, uh, business insurance as well, um, homeowners insurance, all things that need can be insured. My man Greg got you. Visit bruninsurance.com or give him a call at 954-589-2204. Big coverage, big policies. Greg, what it do, man? I love it. I love it. Well, the Gators do, as Silk mentioned, win 42 to nothing against Vanderbilt. It is their first shutout in a game since they bested Vanderbilt 56 to nothing back in 2019. Uh, the Gators get off to um, a, a relatively quick start, um, end up scoring 21 points in the first half. Dan Mullen is, is obviously uh, very unpleased, unhappy with the defense's performance during the uh, first half, uh, comeback, score 21 quick points uh, in, I think, about six minutes uh, to bring it up to 42 nothing. Uh, the Gators then go into cruise control for the rest of the game and win 42 to nothing. Uh, Silk, want to get your thoughts on the game overall before we dive in a little bit deeper? Uh, slow start. Uh, I didn't think it was a fast start. That, I don't know. It was uh, just that one touchdown with, like, Naquan Wright and um, the, the, the yeah, quick Yeah, Naquan got busy. We'll get into the details later, but Naquan got busy and then he just got benched right away. Um, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I like the game. I like that we won. We covered the spread. Uh, it, we got good problems in the game versus Vanderbilt, but it's just a lot. It's just still a lot to be desired um, in a lot of aspects of our offense. But I'm glad we got to see a, a few plays go down the field, uh, stress the field a little bit. Copeland got busy. Um, happy to see him get active. Rashard Torrance was my uh, spirit animal of the week. Yeah, um, shout, shout out to him. He had a very good game. I like to see that versus a, a better team, not Vanderbilt. I like to see him. <clears throat> I like to see him run the alley and do a lot of the things he did uh, versus LSU this week and also Georgia. So mm -hmm. overall, solid project. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, solid game. Um, just wanted more. Just wanted more. That's all. Yeah. So before uh, Nick, I get your thoughts. I wanted to just jump in there. Asoki uh, mentioned the Gators did throw the ball down the field a little bit more. Uh, last game against uh, Kentucky, the Gators only threw one pass over 20 yards. Uh, it was an incomplete pass. Emory Jones does throw. 
uh, five passes in this game. Four were caught for just a hair over uh, 180 yards uh, with a with a touchdown in there. So the Gators did definitely uh, throw the ball uh, a little bit further, obviously against a, a very bad Vanderbilt team, uh, but they did air it out a little bit more. Nick, um, what were your thoughts? Yeah, just a, a weird a weird start for the defense. I think um, Vanderbilt was able to run 49 plays in the first half. Um, yep. And, I mean, if, if there was a touchdown called back – uh, and two missed field goals. So, I mean, you're looking at a game that could have been 21-13 going into half with Vanderbilt. So, uh, it was good. I think at least good for Mullen to show, you know, at least a little bit of fire, a little bit of frustration. You know, we had Smilegate uh, two weeks ago in Lexington. Um, and, I mean, Dan, if you were on the sideline, Dan was yelling at you. I saw him yell at Todd, Zach Carter, uh, Newkirk. Emery, Anthony, um, Dan was Dan was into it. But I like it. Dan was into it. He was yelling. He was. Uh, you couldn't say that. Uh, you know, he was not interested or or happy being mediocre because he was letting everyone have it. And then uh, I think Florida kind of figured it out. But I mean, I don't take a whole lot from this game. Like that was, mm-hmm. you know, Chris Lee said to us last week. This is the, the slowest team he's probably ever seen in twenty five years. Um, and other than that, running back number forty two. Uh, forget his name, but other than that, like that, he was right. That was a, a slow, bad Vanderbilt team. Uh, Patrick Smith, shout out to him. 17 carries, 75 yards. Um, good little player. Yeah. Uh, the, the 79 plays that Vanderbilt ran were the most that they've allowed this season. It would have ranked third or I think third most, uh, last season, um, in the all sec schedule. Um, you know, I think Nick, you, you, hit um, that did as well sort of combined both of those thoughts um you know i thought that the gators left a lot on the field i think that there's a lot to still be desired i think that there's still a lot of question marks on on game calling i think that there's a lot of question marks about where players are in terms of their position or being ready uh to play um you know i know dan mullen obviously seemed agitated he also mm-hmm. seemed fiery and and hungry and it was a, a different side of dan mullen than we've seen but we also saw some weird procedural penalties. We also saw, um, you know, a team not look entirely focused. Now you can argue that that's Vanderbilt, but at the same token, you know, the Gators are coming off of a, you know, a loss to Kentucky, which is proving to be a better team than, than we probably thought over their win against LSU, but still you're having the same issues that they had against Kentucky, you know, fester into a game against Vanderbilt, which is, you know, with LSU coming up, you got to make sure, you know, no matter how good or bad, you know, LSU is, you can't continue to make these penalties, uh, especially the procedural ones and, and ones at the line of scrimmage. So, um, you know, thought that the Gators played fine, um, you know, to win 42 to nothing is obviously what you want. You want to beat the teams you're supposed to beat the way you're supposed to beat them, but it probably wasn't as pretty as uh, we all expected. Yeah, like the, the transitive property doesn't work, but like when you see what uh, what Georgia right. was able to do against you know against this Vanderbilt team, only gave up 77 yards, beat them 62 to nothing. Um, you know that's kind of what you would have liked to see from Florida. Um, but hey, you got to win, move on to the next week, and, and now you're you know moving into LSU. It's always a tough game with LSU, but I mean they are reeling, uh, missing some of their best players. So just got to keep it going, heading to the bye week after that, and then make something happen against Georgia. But Florida didn't get help uh, with Kentucky and Georgia both winning last week, and, and probably some of the games that you know they would have needed to lose for Florida to get to uh, to get to Atlanta. 
Yeah, I just don't see two losses for both of those those, those programs yeah. coming up. So I, I like I'm not really even like chasing that anymore. I am still concerned about. I still want to play sport a little bit to Georgia, regardless of what if we, if we can't win the East. I'm still concerned about us tackling. We can't tackle that running back from Vanderbilt. We're gonna have problems against Georgia, and that's just the facts of life. So I don't know what they gotta do to to upgrade the tackling around here. But that's still a big issue. We had guys uh, in the backfield a lot that was breaking tackles to, to like keep drives alive and keep moving the sticks. Um, and it's just guys not being able to wrap up. They're in a position to make plays, but they soft if they're not making tackles right. And these are not like big bruising running backs yep. that we're going to face versus Georgia. Um, so that's something they better clear up. Right. Even, even against LSU, it's just a different caliber running back. You're going to play against those type of guys and you got to be able to take guys down. Yeah, you know, the Gators did have 15 missed tackles in this game um, as well. Um, so you mentioned Rashard Torrance. I thought that he played quite well, um, you know, but, um, you know, ultimately, other than, than Rashard Torrance, there was definitely a, a lot of miscues on this uh, on the defensive side of the ball. Again, you know, to me, you know, I said it last week and I'll say it again. There, there seems to be a lot of question marks, I guess, with positioning and being able to line up to make that tackle and, you know, ultimately not being in position that then they're going after their legs or, or going after, you know, below the waist and, you know, the chance of missing a tackle is going to be higher when you do that. Right. So, um, you know, I thought, you know, all in all, you know, the defense played fine um, at times, but also like you said, Nick, uh, Nick, wow. Uh, Nick, you yeah, I'm telling you what, now that I found out that there's, there's a group called the Nelk boys, it kind of makes sense to me. Um, but you can't, uh, you know, you can't continue to have some of these miscues, especially with, with Georgia looming uh, out there in a, in a couple weeks. So I uh, got to clear those up, but uh, any thoughts before we uh, dive a little bit more uh, into the offensive side of the ball, any shout outs that you guys want to give uh, on the defensive side of the ball? Uh, I thought the young boy Marshall came in and did everything. He's living up to to like his five star billing a little bit at the cornerback spot. Uh, so shout out to, to to the young boy Marshall, cornerback. He got tested. They threw at him a lot. Uh, I feel encouraged about what I've seen so far from him this season with Kyrie going pro and us having some question marks at that position. I thought he held down his own. They threw at him. Uh, great job at cutting the field off and his technique. Um, he's got to look back for the ball a little bit better. And he'll get as he get more comfortable and more uh, settled into that position and doing what he's doing. He'll start getting some interceptions when they when they keep trying him like that. But on the young boy Marshall to play Kane to play some good football, man. Yep, seeing him grow up every week. I think he's just getting a little more comfortable playing a little faster each week. Absolutely. Yep, he had uh, eight targets against him for zero receptions. There was the one uh, potential touchdown that was uh, – the ball was ended up uh, called dropped, uh, but that was over him. But outside of that, I mean, he played the ball about as well as you could. Uh, but eight targets, zero receptions against him. I thought that he played uh, really well. Um, you know, shout out to Trey Dean and Daquan Newkirk, who both ended up with interceptions in the game. Um, I think my only real question mark after watching that game is the line got more interceptions than than the secondary at this point. Right? Tied it up. <laughs> it's tied, tied it up. up at yeah. That's yeah, insane. It's nuts. Um, shout out to Antoine Powell. He ended up with uh, with a couple sacks his first and second career. Uh, Prince Uman Milan, Lloyd Summerall, and Tyron Hopper <clears> also ended up uh, with sacks during this game. Um, I do want to point out somebody that I thought struggled uh, and I'm kind of surprised because we didn't see him for a couple weeks and, and maybe we're starting to see why is 
Uh, Janarius Perkins was picked on quite a bit uh, against Vanderbilt. Uh, Vanderbilt was seven for seven uh, throwing against him. Um, just a guy that that just seemed to, to be out of position and, and struggled a little bit. So um, definitely want to see more out of him when he gets uh, the opportunity out there. But um, obviously you want to get these guys off the field quicker and, and faster. But, you know, all in all, you know, I would classify it as a as a, a fine performance. But when you think it's Vanderbilt, um, you know, fine is, is probably not uh, where you want to be. Uh, we yeah. are doing a good job of finding the running back every year in, in, a, in a new way. I think the wheel route was our thing last year. Uh, having that running back run down the middle of the field, Emory Finham has been quite quite uh, thing to watch the last couple of weeks. Naquan Wright got a big catch doing that. Uh, I do want to get your opinion on like Naquan Wright was seemed to be hot that first drive, uh, just making some cuts you you see on Sundays. Um, got us to the goal line. I'm not a big fan of bench running backs when it gets you to the one that they got punched in, but not just that next play. We didn't see Naquan Wright for a while. Um, just more of that type of stuff, man. And I don't think Damian Pierce playing bad football, but when you got somebody with a high hand and the offense starts sputtering right after he sat down, I just don't see why they're not running with the high hand in the running back room. Yeah, it's just, I mean, upsetting, but not surprising. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like we could talk about this every week, you know. Uh, every year. Last week, every year. Uh, I think last year or last week, Damian Pierce was running like a bat out of hell. And then all of a sudden, you know, you don't see him for another three, four drives. Um, Damian Pierce should be on your fantasy rosters, though. My guy's vulture in touchdowns away from, from Naquan Wright. Naquan gets all the way down to, like, the half-yard line, and then, and then Pierce gets put in. Um, what you mentioned on that, uh, that hitting the running back up the middle, Silk, I think both Pierce – I think it was the same play call that Pierce and uh, Naquan hit um, on those two passes. So, uh, if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix it. So, that's interesting to me. Um, I don't know, though, because I think you have so much talent there. I would have liked to see, you know, Bowman get some more run, um, you know, earlier, especially with Malik Davis out. But it's hard. You know, like you said, if, if Naquan's running like that, you know, would you like to see him have 15 carries, 20 carries instead of, you know, the seven that he had? Yeah, um, I think that Naquan, in my opinion, is your best player on offense. Um, you know, I, I tweeted it during the game. I think that he's your not only most explosive, but I also think that he's a guy that makes players miss. I think that he's when he has the ball in his hands, he's he's probably your best player. Um, so I would like to see him get the ball more. I don't know if they sat him simply because it was Vanderbilt uh, and they knew that they were going to win, but I, I don't like that mentality. I think that it's an opportunity for a guy like Naquan who, you know, has sat and waited, you know, his turn and has showed that he's electric with the ball in his hands. You know, these guys only have three, four years here, use them when you can. And even if you want to save them for an LSU or save them for a Georgia or something like that, you have to think that just the number of carries that they're going to have during the course of their careers relatively limited i just hate seeing a guy that deserves more playing time not get playing time are you guys surprised by the lack of like um reaction in this offense because i am i expect a lot more reaction um that type of movement are you guys surprised by the lack of not it's not i i don't think we get a heavy dose of that like i thought we would no we got it uh we got it against Alabama, right? Is that when they played read option pretty substantially in the second half right. uh, of that game? But but I am surprised that no, I think that the Gators 
run a very good offense when when they are doing the read option. I think that Emory Jones is is capable of of being mobile. I think that he's obviously capable of pitching the ball. Uh, I think that Gators both have the ability to block and the ability to to get the speed that they need to, to run more read options. So I am very surprised. And I don't know if it's Dan Mullen really trying to get Emory Jones more comfortable with throwing the ball or what it is, but, but I am yes, very surprised. Almost like forcing the issue. You kind of what you're saying. I mean, it's just, I don't see any, any, any flexibility in the offense for Emory. I'm not seeing any RPO stuff either. I'm just not seeing it. I don't see a lot of options of what like could like, well, like his strong suit will be, him be able to be him a, being able to be multifaceted in the things he can do, run the ball. They got to be accountable for all that. Uh, just dropping him back and not giving him options of things to do and making that impressing that defense. I think he's just letting the defense off the hook. Um, but that, all that just goes back to Dan Mullen not trusting Emory to, to open up the playbook because Kyle had RPO stuff and we know he can't run. Yeah, Felipe Franks had RPO stuff. Uh, Kyle right. Trask had RPO stuff. I, I don't know why Emory Jones, who is definitely a better runner uh, than both of those doesn't have, you know, that, that option as well. Um, obviously he may not be as, he's obviously not as good of a passer as Kyle Trask was, uh, but, you know, utilize where his strengths are. Um, and those are running the ball and keeping defenses honest uh, with, with, uh, with his legs. Um, Nick, what are your thoughts? Um, I think I agree with, with Silk. You know, I think it, at least from my view, from my seat in the stadium, it looks like Dan doesn't trust Emery um, to make throws, to uh, to open up things. You know, uh, I don't think any of us thought he was going to be Kyle or the offense is going to look like it did last year. Um, but I mean, this is like this is your for, for your first handpicked quarterback who's been there for four years. Why are you limited in this way? I mean, because I think he has the arm. Um, I think he has arm talent. Um, You've been in that same offense for four years. You should be able to process it quickly in game to in real time during a game. Um, so I guess that's where my question is, because I think it's clear that Dan doesn't trust him. Then what have you been doing the last four years so that he hasn't gotten to the point where you trust him to do those things in a game? Yeah, which um, I'm so I'm not sure if you're you're ready to to switch subjects here, but I do want to bring it up. Um, you know, Anthony Richardson's been back the last two weeks. Um I mean, what are your guys' thoughts on on him? Certainly not as uh, highlight reel uh, as we saw the first two weeks, but uh, what are your thoughts on him, his usage? Um, I mean, I guess everything AR-15. I don't like the play call. I'm just being yeah. like – I just don't think you're putting these guys in, in the best position for their like their, their skill set. Uh, that play that Anthony Richardson threw an interception on, I don't know what that play was, but it was two guys running in the screen. Uh, you had mm-hmm. zipping that that screen and also the running back. And I don't, I'm not an expert on X's and O's or drawing up screens, but I don't think two of those guys are supposed to be in the same vicinity. But I don't understand why you even throwing sprees, doing smoke and mirror things with Anthony Richardson. Get him in the game. Um, get some, do some of the same stuff you did with Tebow. Run between the tackles. Uh, lean on teams. I think we're pulling sometimes way too much, getting a little too sexy with what we're trying to do. I think we could dumb some of this stuff down and just get a little bit uh, – do some things, keep teams off balance, bro. I just think AR has been put in, in positions where, he, like, dropping back the pass and doing a lot of things that he shouldn't be asked to do um, when he comes on the field sparingly. Like, you bring him on the field to just run the ball and play action off of that, uh, read action. Like give him some easy stuff to do if 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 you don't trust him, but dropping him back to throw a screen, 
Like, just let Emory do that or something, bro. Don't bring him on the field to that. Yeah. That, that doesn't make sense for him to do, right? That's right. not why Anthony Richardson's playing. Uh, Nick, what are your thoughts on on Anthony Richardson and his play recently? Uh, well, I thought he I thought he looked uh, a little timid running in Kentucky. I think we talked about that. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I, if I totally agree with Silk there. You know, just having you know run between the tackles. I think you know maybe maybe going back to what I just said uh, about Emory. Maybe you need to let him run the whole playbook because if you get to a point. You know, if he's here his, you know, let's say redshirt sophomore year, redshirt junior year, and he's going to be the starting quarterback, um, I want him to feel comfortable running everything. So I, I would throw everything at him right now. No, I think – Especially thing- against Vanderbilt when, like, you're not worried about losing that game. Bro, I think the things he's been good at has been um, the read action, play action, off of that stuff. Like, his big throws mm-hmm. have been – big runs have been runs and also play action off of – like the runs and stuff. So I'm not like I think the running running in between the tackles is gonna keep defenses honest and then he's gonna get us some one on one matchups to be able to throw the ball down the field. And that's what we want. That's what that's how Tebow thrive. He wasn't the most prolific passer, but his run game just got us in situations where you had to unload the box and we got one on one situations with some really good wide receivers. So I just think that's the the, the recipe. That bait that basic foundation is how this offense gonna go. Um mm-hmm. we need to forget about last year and try and keep up passing stats. We're playing in the box, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Uh, I agree with with Silk and and Nick. Um, we'll call you collectively Nilk in this case. I think uh, my biggest question mark is is what is Anthony Richardson's differentiator when you put him into the game. Uh, when Dan Mullen puts him into the game, because right now you're not letting him run a full offense, uh, but you're also putting him in a position where. Emory Jones can do a lot of those same things. So it's why sit your starting quarterback to put in the backup quarterback, if you will, to run the same things that you would have otherwise, right? Where's the difference maker? Where's the play that you're putting Anthony Richardson or the drive that you're putting Anthony Richardson in for? Because if it's just to do the same thing Emory Jones would do, then I would rather just have Emory Jones do that, right? Unless you're going to be diverse in your play calling unless you're going to call specific plays for him and have him run a certain type of offense right. he's in there but other than that if you're just putting him in to just run the exact same thing emory jones is doing then why then why put him in yeah i'm just waiting to see the two quarterback system dan talked about because he said yeah i won and i i haven't seen it yet we don't we <laughs> heading into lsu week so i don't see a system i just don't see a guy that can run two quarterback anything but I think the difference in in, in um, both of those guys is they both can run, but obviously Anthony Richardson can jump over people and get to the end zone faster. He's more explosive. Uh, he's just a bigger threat in the run game. Uh, so I just think I think in between the tackles is something that he do different than Emory Jones. So back to what Dan was saying, what can he do different than Emory? I think run between the tackles and straight at people. I think goal line packages need to be fifteen, regardless. We get we were struggling mm-hmm. in the red zone, and I think we can answer that by getting like the advantage. Not trying to slide into the end zone, but just just run into that wall. You know, I think Emory gets down there and gets a little cute. He's trying to slither his way in there when we just need to just bulldoze some people over at the goal line. Um, that that's a. I mean, that's it. It hasn't made sense. We've talked about it before. You get down to the goal line and you know you put Malik Davis in. He's had a good season, but you've got Malik Davis and. Um, and Anthony and uh, sorry, and Emory Jones there, and it's like, hey, you've got a, a 240 pound quarterback and a five foot eight in cleats, 230 pound running back. Like, why, why isn't that your goal line backfield? 
Yeah, right. no, you're you're right. Um, you know, the Gators have I say handed off the days. That's what I say. <laughs> I think uh, I think Spencer would agree with you there. Um, the Gators have scored oh, twenty or twenty four times in the um, when they've gotten down into the red zone. But so, like you said, it's not uh, it's not pretty. It it seems like there's a personnel uh, deficiency when they do get down there. So, um, how do you feel? How do you how do you guys feel about Emory's overall performance? I know he, the, the stat line looks okay. Um, yeah. I don't think he had a bad day on on, on the on box on the box score, but. It wasn't I mean, he, had some... he missed a wide open uh, Rick Wells that should have been probably a touchdown that was a little egregious. Oh, he just hit a miss, so he'll miss wide open throws like that, and then he'll drop it down to Whitmore. So what was y'all? Yeah, think? that that Whitmore. I mean, that's a Sunday throw. You put that, yeah. you know, uh, inside. You know, you you drop that through the the sunroof of a car in, into his hands there. But then, I mean, just an inexcusable miss to to Rick Wells. Um, there, there's a couple passes where if, if, if it's a good pass and he leads the guy, um, it's a touchdown. And instead, yeah. the receiver is almost coming to a full stop to turn around and wait for the ball. Um, you know, like you're playing 500 in the backyard. And, and, and I, I see some of that. So, you know, that's a, you know, it goes for like a 42 yard gain and it looks good on the stats. But if you're sitting there watching it, you're thinking, all right, well, that could have been a 60 right. yard touchdown instead of a 42 yard pass. Yeah, and I think that that's the biggest thing is you can look at the stats like Silk said, and this is no slight at Emory Jones. You look at him and you're like, wow, that's you know a couple hundred yards passing, couple touchdowns. He had that dime throw uh, for the touchdown, you know. But Nick, you said it, and he seems to not throw his guys open and wait for the route to either be complete or wait till they're at a full stop uh, before throwing the ball. And yes, against the team like Vanderbilt, you might be able to get uh, the yards that you want or the you know the the yards after catch, but there's no. I guess, continuity of, of a player running uh, in their route. Not there's none, but often there's not the you know, players in full stride when he gets hit and that, you know, 15 yard gain, you know, could turn into 30, 40, 50, uh, you know, quicker. Um, but you can't do that against your Georges. You can't do those against your prolific defenses where players aren't going to be as wide open as they are running against a, a Vanderbilt or an FAU or USF. So, well, with that being said, boys, do want to ask you one question uh, before we do that. The Gators do remain uh, ranked 20th in the AP poll. Uh, Gators broke out uh, retro jerseys for the third year in a row against uh, during homecoming. Uh, the first year they had the, the white helmets. Last year they had the blue helmets. And this year they had the orange helmets, all with different retro logos. Uh, quickly, which one was y'all's favorite? Join Saturday. I like that. Those are smooth. I like those. I'm not going to lie. Nick, you're muted, sir. I think I got thrown off by the helmet. It didn't have the stripe, but I like that helmet with the interlocking UF. I think my favorite was the first one, the white helmet. Less is more. I like that, John. I ain't going to lie. I love the coach's polo that they had. Um, I loved everything about the branding for this uh, this weekend, but I think I'm going to agree with you, uh, Nick. I like the uh, the first ones the most, probably the second. Um, but I think that that throwback uniform is probably one of my favorites. And I'm not trying to be a homer here, but one of my favorites in all college football. You shot it real well. Said if they had that in the Bama game, they would have won. <laughs> he said that what uh, your Gator collective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I know you want to get they they should have replayed my man touchdown because that was a touchdown. We got some terrible refs in the SEC. Um so he had an opportunity at two touchdowns that, that were kind of screwed over. Man, shout out to Rick Wells having a productive senior season senior season. I just want to see Rick Wells score touchdowns so Mark Long has to type his name out every single time. Don't um, don't right. let the don't let the SEC like league office hear this podcast. Silk's gonna get us fined. 
talking about can't, officiating. Can't find me, Roma fan. Can't find fans. <laughs> can't find me. Um, even even when the fans still on the field, still the university has to pay, right? Right. Um, well, let's get into uh, LSU talk. We got uh, Brody Miller with the Athletic on, but before we do that, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Home Field Apparel, my favorite place to buy retro University of Florida Gator gear. Uh, but also, they have. Uh, dozens and dozens of brands for maybe a spouse, a loved one, that way we went to a different university or maybe you cheer for another school besides the University of Florida. Check them out, Home Field Apparel. Use promo code Stadium and Gelf. Get 15% off of your order. Again, Home Field Apparel, softest shirts in all the land, uh, great retro um, throwback shirts and, and all the like. I know that all three of us love them and love wearing them. Uh, the Gators uh, will enter Baton Rouge for a 11 o'clock local time uh, against LSU. Gators right now sit at 10 and a half point favorites uh, with an over under of 59. Uh, we'll get Brody Miller on here to talk about a depleted LSU roster. So Brody, man, it's a pleasure to have you back on. Um, Brody, I guess talk to us a little bit about everything that's going on uh, with LSU's roster that seems to be depleting by the, by the minute right now. Yeah, where do I start? I guess right. Uh, yeah, I think it's it's as messy as a situation as I as I've seen. Quite frankly, I mean, you start with the two years of on off on the field results, just constant decline. Then you move to the uh, constant injuries, and yeah, like you said, they're pretty depleted right now. I mean, they're at the point. I want to say off the top of my head, eight to ten like major starters are are out on what it, what would have been the opening day roster, and quite frankly, not even just starters, but you know. I don't know, five of the best players on the whole team, but that's not why they're losing by any means. I mean, they top to bottom issues and then Ed Ogeron drama off the field. Now he's looking like his end is quite near. So yeah, I, I don't even know where to begin, but it's an absolute mess. And Florida is getting them at a pretty good time. We got a good time last year, Brody. <laughs> Brody, let me, yeah, you asked where we start. Um, LSU receiver Kayshawn, is it Boutte? Um, yes. Was, was announced that he's out for the season. Um, he had eight or 13 touchdowns, pardon me, in his last eight games. Uh, he's going to join Ali Yeh, Joseph Evans, Major Burns, Derek Stingley, Andre Anthony, Todd Harris, John Emery, uh, and a number more that will be out for this game or for the rest of the season. Uh, so where does that leave LSU not only going in against the game against Florida, but for the rest of the season? In trouble. I mean, yeah, I, I I think even the healthiest version of this team just quite frankly wasn't operating like a team that was going to come near its potential. I mean, they were almost near I mean, pretty healthy for the UCLA game, and you still saw glaring issues with the offensive line. This offensive line, quite frankly, just kind of is what it is. And you saw the glaring issues with the defense already at times. And, and yeah, there was some optimism from the Mississippi State game and stuff, but now you are at a point where – all right, the one true dynamic playmaking option you have the entire you know I mean they have really good freshman players, receivers, got some good skill players, no doubt about it. But the only like week to week just true, you know, reliable player, Keishon Butte, he's gone for the season. So a lot of really good pieces there. A lot of guys who might break out like Butte did last year, you know. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked at all if a, a Deion Smith or a or a Malik Neighbors or a um, Brian Thomas, Jack Besh, those guys are it's a loaded freshman receiver class that all might be great. But they're freshmen. I think, I think you know, my experience, they're going to have great moments and also just not going to be as consistent week to week. So you have that. And on defense, Derek Stingley was already the biggest loss you could imagine, you know, maybe the best corner in the country. But 
and and they've been doing okay without him. You know, Dwight McLaughlin's a solid player. Eli Ricks is a solid player. All these things, but now now even Ricks is banged up, and I, and Ogeron still thinks he should be able to play, but he had to come out of the last game. So if he's out, I mean, they are quite frankly disastrous at corner after after those top guys. So that's a major thing to watch, and they're without two major safeties. I know I just keep going and going, but. They have, yeah, the freshman class is really good. A lot of talent who can do some good stuff, but there's just very little reliability from this roster top to bottom right now. And, you know, like the pass, I even mentioned Ali Gay. The pass rush was like the clear strength of this defense this year. And you lose your two starting edge rushers and Andre Anthony and Ali Gay. And PJ Ojolari is fantastic. Mason Smith is a freak, but still, it's just, it's you are, you are just slowly whittling down everything that was ever a strength for you. So it's still a talented team, but it's one without really an identity, if that makes sense. So you've been drinking a lot this season. <laughs> Not as much as LSU fans, but yeah, <laughs> yeah quite a bit. It, uh, it, it's really interesting to me, you know, uh, probably less interesting for you because you kind of get so wrapped into, you know, the day to day stuff. But just from the outside, I mean, the, the ride that that LSU football team and, and Ed Orgeron gave. LSU fans that that 2019 season magical and just like how quickly we've gotten to the point I read your story today and you're you know basically saying hey we're watching the last act of Orgeron at LSU and it's like how does it happen so quickly to go from an undefeated national championship season to you know 18 months later you know you're talking about this guy's going to be you know looking for a job soon yeah there's it's and I'll have a eventually you know some point whenever this all goes down a deeper story on how this all happened because it is wild because you know the Chizik comparison comes up a lot and it's always going to. I'm not gonna or deny it, but I don't even think that's fair because Chizik was, you know, you can tell me if you disagree, but that was Newton, Fairly, Dyer, and then a weak roster of the rest, and it all felt very just like, hey, you just got not lucky by no means, but you know what I mean. This was. I think it was earned. Like, I think all the stuff that mm-hmm. we gave Ogeron credit for, I actually two years later still give him credit for. You know, he did a lot of things to fix what Miles had going there. He did that 2017 recruiting class, his first class is an all-time class. I mean, there, there was a deep top-to-bottom roster with a really strong culture, really strong hires. I know he didn't hire Randa, but he hired the rest. A lot to really give him credit for. And and even 2018 was a good season, so the one-hit the one wonder thing doesn't quite work. And then all of a sudden you just saw this – the way I always put it is a perfect. If 2019 was a perfect storm, I think everything since has been a perfect storm for how things can go wrong. And that's not taking blame away, but I would also, you know, but you had the pandemic, then you had in a year where you're losing 20 starters and Ogeron is quite frankly getting divorced. So that doesn't help, you know, the overall situation there. And this is not taking blame away from him, but it's putting it in a situation that I don't think Ed Ogeron was a good enough coach and leader of this team to recover from. And that is where the blame goes back on him. And that is where they are now at a point where two years later, it's not just that the results aren't great because, yeah, I think there are plenty of coaches. If you took a hit the two years after a title, you're still okay. It's not just that. It's it's the trending direction that it's going. It looks like it's going to get worse. Mm-hmm. And it's the off the field issues on top of that, of course. It's just this slow whittling away of all the things that he did so well to get them to 2019 the culture is not the same the character is not the same the hires have been disastrous a good amount you know just and and then you don't have the same accountability and leadership they had in 2019 a lot of their best players are younger players it's just it's all the things that they actually deserve credit for are no longer true and that's i think how you get where they are brother i want to ask you some questions about the game but i, I like <laughs> i like what we're talking about right now 
since we're talking about <laughs> you're, you're talking about runs. the demise of LSU's entire football program. So it's like I want to talk about the game, but let's run that back. Yeah, Seriously, yeah. the second team corner. <laughs> yeah, I love a good uh, football soap opera. That's my bag. Uh, who do we hire? Um, I'm an LSU fan right now. So who who, who are we looking for, Brody? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's such a great. Kimbo Fisher again. I mean, let's put it this way: it's he's he's up there. I, I do think he's somebody that Scott Woodward's going to look at. He's obviously the guy who brought him to Texas A&M, and Jimbo Fisher has quite frankly always been interested in the LSU job. I would be surprised if it's him. I do just the situation, the extension, all that stuff. I I just don't know if that this is the time for that, but. You know, I think Scott Woodward, I will lead with saying, is a really tough man to know his thinking. He's very cars close to the vest. So I will admit all of this is, you know, things you're hearing and speculation a little bit. But I think guys like James Franklin are going to be high on that list to Penn State. But you're probably going to be fighting with USC for him. I think Lane Kiffin is going to be on that list, which mm. I know will get a lot of people both excited and angry. And then he got, you know, but then you got your like Luke Fickles and guys like that who might be great hires, but they're probably not going to come down to the SEC or are waiting for a different job or things like that. So Sky Woodward has a history of making, I mean, probably more than anyone in sports, the biggest name hires just in terms of the context of his situation. You know, he's the guy who brought Jimbo, the guy who got Sark to Washington first, and then the guy who brought Chris Peterson to Washington, mm-hmm. the guy who got Kim. Mul- I know it's women's basketball, but he's the guy who got Kim Mulkey from Baylor, which is you know, massive. So he loves big names, maybe to a fault. So I think you're going to see him go big game hunting, which is why, you know, a, a Billy Napier at Louisiana, who might be a fantastic hire. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if that's where Scott Woodward would want to go. But again, it's so speculatory at this point. I, I don't truly know. I mean, they're paying, they're paying Jimbo with like a, Egyptian gold in college station. Like, I think yeah. you're going to have, I mean, I don't know what yeah. you would have to promise, but there's no Jimbo buyout. Fish. <laughs> That's, I mean, That's true. you have to give Jimbo Amazon. Yes. No, you're <laughs> you absolutely want to get right. him out of there. Brody, how important, um, obviously, Louisiana has a very strong culture. LSU has a very strong culture, uh, cultural tie-ins that a lot of universities don't have. How important is that fit culturally when it comes to hiring that, or is that kind of overthought about? No, it's valid. I mean, it's a yeah. large part of Ed Ogeron, you know, but yeah. I don't think it's – I think it's something. It's not everything, you know, where – the most successful coach in the history of that school was Nick Saban. And he is yeah. the least Louisiana person you could imagine, <laughs> and, you know, and, and Les Miles probably did fit the culture, but still even that. So he's not from there or anything like that. I don't think they would do that again. I don't think they would lean too hard into that again. And Scott Woodward is a Louisiana guy. So it's incredibly possible. And, and even the Jimbo angle, which again, I agree with Nick. I don't think that's happening, but even the Jimbo angle, a lot of LSU ties with him. So there's, it's something, I just don't know if they would ever let that dictate such a important hire. Well, I guess, um, Selk, I know you didn't want to get into it, but I guess it's it's time for us to get into the to the game this weekend. Yeah. Uh, what are you expecting to see out of LSU? Um, I guess just pregame fans, attendance, the the excitement and energy around the team right now. What where where are we at as an LSU fan base going into this game against Florida? Not not great, and the fact that it's a it's already. It was already setting up for a game where, you know, you're not going to get a great crowd, just the situation, of course. Then you add in it's an 11 a.m. kick, which I don't know any fan base is more angry about than LSU's drunken fan base who wants to be tailgating for 12 hours. So, I mean, Florida's up there, maybe. But uh, I I think it's there's danger of this being a really embarrassing crowd. You know, I almost wonder if it's going to be a 50, 60 percent crowd because of all these reasons we're mentioning. And even back to the Ogeron conversation, like I, and this is, you know, just a theory. 
I almost wonder if that will be kind of the final thing that makes Scott Woodward realize it's time is that when you see the fan apathy, you might just have to, you know, because I don't think he wants to do it in season. He's trying to avoid it all he can, but I think that's a real thing. So, and I could be totally wrong, but right now ticket prices are dropping. Uh, They're by no means close to sold out. So I do think it's going to be a weaker crap. That's um, I think that's always, uh, you know, having covered uh, several coaches at Florida, I think that's always kind of the, the big signifier because angry fans still show up. They still buy tickets, you know, they'll yell at you, but you know, when, when people just start becoming apathetic and and you lose, you know, even anger in the program um, I think that's, you know, when, when uh, tough decisions become easier and, uh, and get executed. Yeah. To steal a line from Andy Staples, I think it was with the, I think he was wrote about the Florida state situation with uh, Tagger. And he said, it's not about when you can afford to hire the coach. It's about sometimes when you, when you can't afford not to. And I think that's that exact situation. With all of the players that are are out, obviously LSU has recruited quite well over the last, you know, three, four, five years now have a a stable of, of highly ranked three stars, four stars and five star guys. Uh, with all of these names being out, who are some names that, that Florida fans should be uh, looking at or maybe researching going into this game? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think receivers like and we touched on this earlier, but I think that's going to be a really interesting one just because the talent is totally there. So I think names they should know are the Malik neighbors who had a even though it was 35 sevens, don't get me wrong, but had an unreal catch toward the end of the Kentucky game. And he's a guy they loved all camp and got hurt and he's finally back. So he's somebody to watch. Not sure Deion Smith's health. I think that's kind of iffy, but he's looked really good at times this season. And Jack Besh, a very low-rated guy who's just been a full-time starter, is their pretty much full their, their number one third down position. I mean, possession guy, all that. He's one who will absolutely be a large part of the game plan. So watch for those guys offensively. I think defensively, and again, Eli, Eli Ricks is falls in the category of I don't, get, geez, I don't know his status, but you know, he's an all-American corner and a guy who you know, when he's on his game, can make plays as well as anyone. And he'll probably make some mistakes too. But I think the the number one guy to get to know is Mason Smith. And they might already know him. But, uh, you know, five-star who looks like he's built in a Madden creative player. You know, he's just a – it's like six foot – 6'6", 291 right now, and just he's playing D-tackle and D-end, especially now with the D-ends out. It's, it's pretty wild what he's doing. So especially after the gay injury, I really think he will – be just highlighted in that defensive game plan and and just one other i threw out there is jay ward you know who florida is familiar with he had some great plays in that game last year but he's the i believe he's the one who caught that nonsensical double deflection off the helmet interception yeah which is one of the dumber plays we've all watched but I, I think he's a guy to get to know because he's just a rangy playmaker who can kind of disrupt things Got more. I don't have a whole lot of takes, uh, questions about this game. How 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 do you feel about Florida's offensive line and, and your pass rush? Well, yeah, I think this pass rush again. The injuries are going to factor in there, but the pass rush has been very good when it's healthy. I mean, or even when it's not healthy, they're really deep there. You know, the numbers are messed up now because in the Mississippi State game, they pretty much just rushed two or three all game, so it's like not going to look quite indicative. But they have a really talented pass pass rush, both interior and ex- you know, on the edge. You know where. 
B.J. Ojolari is as good as a pass rusher as there is in the SEC, brother of Aziz, Georgia. Uh, Glenn Logan's back, you know, basically a four-year starter who's missed the whole season so far. He's going to be back. Neil Farrell's a disruptor. And then Mason Smith, of course. They have a lot of guys up front who aren't great run block defenders, quite frankly. I think LSU's front four could be a lot better in run defense, but are really aggressive pass rushers. And, and I won't pretend to be an expert on Florida's you know, pass protection or anything like that, but that is probably something else you has to lean on here. Um, I wanted to ask about Max Johnson. Um, yeah. Dan was very uh, complimentary of him today. Um, just how is, how is his progression been going? Obviously, you know, uh, tough t- tough to be the quarterback of a team, you know, with, with as many injuries as you're, as you're talking about. Um, but only a sophomore, true sophomore or retro yep. sophomore? Yep. Yeah, it's true sophomore. It's It's been one of the hardest, and you know as well as I, sometimes it's just so hard to figure out if a quarterback's good or bad. It's like the most complicated part of our job, I think. But uh, I, it's been impossible to figure out because – so much context surrounding him has gone against him. The offensive line is a train wreck. And then they're literally averaging two and a half yards of carry for most of the season. So there is just, I mean, it's mind boggling how much they can't run the ball. So then they're 100% one dimensional. So Johnson's even even tougher situations. And he's had drops around him. So it's like, he hasn't looked great. I'll be clear. But I also think he's making sometimes more than what's there. He is overall a pretty composed guy who can do some good things. He's also a guy who underthrows a lot of deep balls. I mean, there was some even just Saturday where Trey Palmer was wide open downfield for 20 yards. He underthrows him by 15 yards and almost was picked off. And there was an interception in the Auburn game that was the same thing, just underthrows an open guy on a on a on a deep route. So I think that's a big flaw of his. And you're and you're noticing the effect of that pressure get on him all the time because you're seeing him get a little jumpier, a little you're seeing a lot of this like off-platform jumpy throws when there's not even that much pressure on him, and you're missing misses because of that. Basically cost him the Auburn game when he just flat out missed an open receiver on third down just 10 yards away. So because he tried to like jump throw it. I think so. It's my my long, you know, long answer made short is I think he does a lot of great things. He's really sharp and smart, good processor, all that stuff you love to hear about. I, and I think he can he's good enough to win the minigame. He's good enough to win it. I just don't think he's at the point where he's the kind of guy who can overcome other stuff. He's not going to, you know, go hero mode. So if Florida can get pressure on him, I'm, I'm not sure what he's going to do. And actually, one other thing to mention, there's been this really noticeable trend lately of starts incredibly. First quarter against Auburn had like 150 yards. Eight of, started eight, eight, eight of eight against Kentucky for like 90. Hmm. Looks really good early. And then once teams can adjust, adjust to them not running the ball, you adjust to what they're showing. Us, dude, they're bro, so because... simple. Yeah, they just go <laughs> downhill. Don't got no adjustments. If, if he's a fast starter, look out Saturday. He might, he might have <laughs> 200 passing yards before the first quarter's over before they figure something out. Yeah. What um, what, so Florida's Florida's front four. Um, they have a good front seven, but the front four specifically has been able to get a lot of pressure. Um, what what? How does the running backs, I guess, get factored into the passing game? Because that's an area where. Florida's really struggle with missed tackles in, in, in space, um, and teams have been going with that quick pat, uh, quick slants, passes into the flats to kind of negate that pass rush. Is that something LSU has done or can do? Yeah, it's a great question because it's something Jake Pete's offensive coordinator had really wanted to do, and they have just failed at it, I think, quite frankly. Part of that, John Emery's been suspended all season, who would have been their starting running back, five-star playmaker, who was – you know, again, like they, I, don't know, I was, I was going to mention they wanted him to be their Christian McCaffrey, but I'm not even giving that the time of day. But uh, they, he, he was going to be that threat, that playmaker, and all that. So I think that was gone. And then Ty Davis Price is the more veteran starter, but that is not his skill set. He's a truer power back. And then they have some freshmen who are 
going to be stars eventually in the SEC, I think, and, and uh, Armani Goodwin and Corey Kiner. But and they, they, they bring that. They can, but they're not there yet. So it hasn't been what they wanted it to be, and I think they were really hoping that was going to be a part of it, and they haven't been able to. So now they're basically to get that, what you're saying, that quick passing game. They're trying to rely on, you know, Receiver screens to Keishon Butte. Well, one, he's gone, but two, those haven't even worked. Uh, they're trying to rely on a lot of quick slants and things like that. Like their only way to have created quick passing game has been through Butte. So now you are really in trouble there. So I, I think that's something Florida can probably contain. All right, Bernie. Well, let's get into uh, what you think uh, end of the game. Um, what I guess, what does LSU need to do to win this game? Then um, what do you think that will have gone wrong if they lose the game and then maybe give us a, a score prediction if you get into that. Absolutely, yeah. I think if LSU wants a chance in this game, it just has zero choice but to run the football. And I think you saw in the Kentucky game the one weird positive on the worst night of the season was they were finally moving the ball on the ground a little bit. If they can do that against Florida, which I'm not optimistic about, but if they can, yeah, that opens a lot up. It makes life easier for Johnson. It gives them something considering their best receivers out. It's really the only hope, I would argue, because – I think the defense might be okay. I think the defense has some good stuff it does. But the, they can't run the ball. This game's over from the first quarter. And, yeah, to answer the second part, I think if it goes it goes wrong, if the offensive line plays like it has all season, it just it eliminates LSU from games almost immediately. So I think that's, that's it. And then the other thing I'd point out is Toronto Jones has had some great games as a defensive coordinator, but the two where he looks like a disaster is when he's faced pretty sharp offensive minds. Liam Cohen made him look like a fool at times. And Chip Kelly made him look like a fool at times. And I think Dan Mullen, if anyone, is going to be a master at figuring out how to, you know, just take advantage and find openings and misdirect them. So I have a gut feeling Dan Mullen might uh, out-scheme Dronte Jones in this one. So I, my gut says, I don't know, Florida by 14 or 15? Real quick, right. Brody, Brody, what's your opinion of the SEC West? Uh, do you think anybody can upseed Bama this year? Yeah, I think – I think the chance is probably gone now that Alabama just destroyed Ole Miss. That like that was the only one that really had that that real chance to do it. I, I know I know what AM just did, but they also have two pretty bad losses. So I don't see AM really getting up there. LSU's not doing it, state's not doing it. And and obviously Arkansas technically can, but I just I don't see that. I don't think that's a good matchup, bunch of reasons. So my thing with the West is I think it's the deepest I've ever I mean, honestly, the deepest I've ever seen it because usually mm-hmm. Arkansas is the bottom feeder or or Mississippi State's the bottom feeder or Ole Miss. There's no – I mean, LSU is technically the bottom feeder now, but, but even them, you know, they're going to give you a hard time. So it's a weird time at the West where there are just zero gimme games, none. But I don't – the second best is probably the weakest it's been in a little while. I think that might be the best way to, to put it. So – Ole Miss obviously is prop. They might lose one game all season. It might be the Bama game, but it was to Bama, so I think that's going to hurt them. Uh, for any Gator fans heading to Baton Rouge, give me your uh, your local recommendations, uh, watering holes, food to eat. Uh, yeah. I love getting down to Louisiana just to eat. Mm. Yeah, of course. No, uh, I love, and it's not even that Louisiana food, but I love Elsie's plate and pie. It's basically like savory pies and stuff, and it's it's a wild menu, and I love it as much as any place in that town. Um, I think BRQ is a really, really good spot, kind of a little further out northeast, but it's really good, great barbecue, but also just great overall food. But then if you want something kind of Louisiana, I mean, there's um, – Louisiana Lanyap is a wonderful spot. Uh, Parans is another great one. Those are some ones where you're going to get some really good 
kind of Louisiana food to kind of hit that, the check that box, for example. And then, then also go around the tailgate. Even if you don't know people, just walk around, introduce yourself. If you're nice, someone's going to probably want to give you some boudin or some, some jambalaya or something like that. They're pretty good about that. And that's kind of the best part about that. My, uh, the first time I went to uh, Baton Rouge, uh, I packed late, didn't realize what color button down that I had packed. Um, <laughs> and everyone was so nice to me as I'm walking up. I get up to the press box, look down. I'm wearing a purple shirt. Uh, don't know if that factored into uh, every, everyone yelling Go Tigers at me uh, as I walked into the stadium, but did have some good food uh, on the walk in. So yeah, I no, pack- it's real. I mean, they like want. I talked, I did a story on the, on the tailgate team like two months ago, just on the whole thing. And three different people unprovoked mentioned how like they feel an obligation when people come out of town to show what it can be. So they are so giving and so like, you know, hospitable because they want someone to leave and be able to say like, this was as good as people said it was. So they're actually like, act, I know there've been some horror stories about people going to LSU and I'm sure every fan base has those horror stories. Mm-hmm. I know that, but overall I'd say they're usually pretty helpful. They'll, they'll give you some food. Well, you probably you probably uh, get what you put out. So if uh, if, yeah, you if you anger to, them, they will do awful things. But yeah. <laughs> if you walk up to somebody being a jackass, you're probably going to get uh, a less than hospitable uh, in uh, you know reaction in return. But I have experienced that where listen, they put a lot of time into their tailgates, uh, a lot of time into the food at the tailgates, and and they want to share it. And if you're there uh, tailgating, like Brody said, just be nice, and uh, someone will give you some some jambalaya. I don't know how good jambalaya is at 10 a.m. It's always uh, good right. jambalaya time. It's probably always good. It's probably always good. There's never great, a bad time for jambalaya. Great for leftovers, and so I've been told. Yeah, mm-hmm. I love it. Well, Brody, thanks so much for for joining us tonight. Uh, let everybody know where they can follow you on uh, on Twitter and social media, and where they can read uh, your outstanding coverage of LSU. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks, guys, for having me. Uh, you can follow me at Brody A. Miller on Twitter. If you go to theathletic.com slash hold that podcast, I think you can get like 50% off a subscription right now. So check us out there. And yeah, in all seriousness, it's one of my favorite shows to go on, guys. I appreciate it. Absolutely, brother. Well, we appreciate you so much for coming on. We will uh we'll see you next year. All right. Brody, care, I'll see you Friday. Yeah, see you Friday, man. Later, nice. Guys. Have fun, boys. Boys about to hang out. Where are you going that Friday, Nick? You got some plans? See, I don't know. So I don't uh, – listen, this is this is 32-year-old Nick. I've learned Zach Albaverde is like, hey, we're staying in Baton, uh, we're staying in New Orleans on, on Friday night. And I was like, absolutely not. I won't make it to the game Saturday. Um, I'll probably still be, you know, on, on Bourbon Street by the time kickoff happens if I was out. And so I'm going up Friday night to Baton Rouge. I'll probably see Brody, go maybe get some dinner. Uh, and uh, I enjoy Baton Rouge. Nice little mm-hmm. town. Nice. I got to make it this. That that game is definitely on my bucket list. This year wasn't the, the year to go, though. But you it was, you It's it's uh, really – so I've been to every stadium except um, – Which one? 11 o'clock. They're Arkansas. terrible. You know, like I don't think it's the tailgate vibes I want on my part of my bucket list. I want it to be a big, epic game. No, you, you, need, you need a night game. You need a night game at Death Valley. I've been to – I think other than Auburn and uh, Georgia, I've been to every stadium. Um, and that one is really, uh, Neyland gets a little bit loud. Uh, Brian Denny was loud, but death Valley is, I think the one that really truly rivals, um, the swamp in terms of how loud it can get. Uh, and I've only been there one night, uh, one for one night game. Um, but yeah, that's definitely a bucket list thing. If you haven't been to death Valley, um, for a Florida LSU game, uh, you should try to make it happen. But I agree with you. So 11 AM local, uh, as they're getting ready to fire a coach, yeah, and Florida's already. 
pretty much eliminated, probably not the year. They might be looking for a face punch. <laughs> or it could be the best tailgate experience in the world because the people that are there already know that they're going to probably lose or, you know, aren't uh, they don't care as much about the other uh, game as much as they do they about uh, having a good tailgate. And the Swamp people got vegan options or no? Listen, I don't, I don't like, know. Like I that. said, like I, I said, if you, if you, if you show up and you're being a jackass, you're gonna get some bad. <laughs> you're, you're gonna get some bad attitudes back. You walk up to somebody who's been slaving away over right. food. They, they've been tailgating for twelve hours, and you're like, "Hey, uh, you got like, vegan right. options?" And then, respond, and then they respond. And then they respond. Just out. You're gone. That's verbatim. <laughs> <laughs> Like, sorry, monster, I think if you translate that, sorry, sir, we don't have any tofu. Would you like something else? <laughs> <laughs> I believe that's my rough translation of what Soak just said. Oh, I love it. Speaking uh, of speaking quick, <laughs> quick dandy fact before we get into uh, the next part of our show. The lower team or the unranked team has won four of the last five games in this series. So uh, hopefully the Gators can reverse that trend. Let's give a quick shout out to our friend over at Game Time Sidekicks. Uh, Silk, I'm not sure if you checked your mail. Uh, if you got it the other day, Nick, I'm sure you did. Uh, but we got some tumblers in from Game Time Sidekicks, and boy, oh boy, are they uh, an outstanding product. So shout out to them. I uh, use out. promo code STADIUM, get 10% off. Silk, just check your mail. It's there. It's with your home field shirts. Um, home field, they, they left a note, and they took it to some pickup place, and it's not on my side of town, really. Yeah, I got you. I get you. Uh, well, check out Game Time Sidekicks. Uh, over 350 different options uh, for schools, golf, a uh, whole lot of different things. Um, vacuum insulated, uh, really great, great solid product, beautifully designed. I uh, was very, very impressed by the other folks over there at Game Time Sidekicks. So use promo code STADIUM, get 10% off of your order. Uh, big news in the Gators football program, or minor news, however you view it. Elijah Blades uh, has announced, or it was announced today that Elijah Blades was dismissed from the program. So the one-time Florida Gator, let me see if I get this right, the one-time Florida Gator commit that ended up going to Nebraska, right. who then transferred to JUCO, who then said that he was going to go to Oregon who then decided to go to Texas A&M, right. who then sat out for a year last year because of COVID, who mm -hmm. then finally announced that he was going to commit to the Gators and rolls a few weeks later, uh, plays three full games with the University right, of Florida. Nice, Did I get that right? It's a nice track record. I like it. He's um, cons consistent. He's consistently inconsistent, which is uh, not what you want to be uh, as a football player. Go ahead, shoot. Go ahead finish. I'm, I'm gonna shoot a tape afterwards. I, I no, that, that's that's all. Other than just announcing. <laughs> oh, that's it. That, yeah. That's all. Just that. Corey, the floor is the floor is yours. I am confused because um, I thought we should have went out to Tyreek Stevenson. Tyreek Stevenson is a kid I know wanted to come to the University of Florida. And I know we had a need at the cornerback spot. So I'm confused at watching Tyreek. I don't think Tyreek's all world, but he's probably the best player in Miami secondary and definitely better than Elijah Blaze. While Marshall is playing well, I don't get the Blaze take if if they didn't want to take Tyreek Stevenson. I just think that's a little off in my mind. Yeah. That's um, it. That's all. Count me in the camp where I said I didn't think that Elijah Blades, and this isn't me being right. I never want to be right at a, at a, at a person's, um, you know, 
non-success here. Uh, you know, but I, I thought that his track record was very wonky. I, I questioned based on a lot of things that I read about him, his desire to play football uh, at this level and commit to beyond just playing football. Um, so certainly wish the, the young man, the best of luck, uh, definitely a, a big question mark. Um, you know, I think that our general take uh, when he finally enrolled was you have an open scholarship, take him. But if you missed out on a player that could have been more impactful for your secondary, then, then why not go after, you know, the more proven player. And I thought that Tyreek Stevenson was, was not only the better prospect coming out of high school was certainly more proven uh, at Georgia. Uh, there was definitely some other options that were out there in the transfer portal. Uh, so I, I questioned it from the beginning, but uh, certainly am, am not stomping on, on his grave at all. Um, I, well, he didn't count against the 85 because um, he was a grad, uh, a graduate that came in using or taking advantage of that extra year. Um I just think uh, I just think he's got a lot of growing up to do. Um, you walk out on your team on a game day um, in your sixth year of college, um, wishing the best of luck, but that's probably not the the person you want to share a locker room with. Yeah, uh, that's weak. That's yep. how it's going down. That's weak. I don't understand like quitting like that. Like, what are you gonna do now? Like, <laughs> like the mindset is just a little off. In, in my opinion, when he got on the field, it was just like a a penalty waiting to happen. When he did get on the field, and he was injured. I don't understand what he could be possibly possibly upset at. Um, it's a good yeah, opportunity I think that he, for him, but I don't know what he right. what he does right now. Um, I don't see NFL drafting his future uh, at all. So no, I don't I mean, know why he was just quit like that. You had a you had a prime opportunity, right? I mean, outside of Kyrie Elam, you had you know you had Jaden Hill go down before the start of the season. So you have Avery Helm, who didn't get much playing time before. You have Jadarius Perkins, who didn't get any playing time you know, because being in JUCO, uh, you have Jason Marshall, who's a freshman. So there was ample opportunity for you to earn your spot on the field. And I know he didn't come in until late, which again, you know, had question marks about why he enrolled so late. Uh, but that was a, there was rife uh, of opportunity for, for somebody to, to come in and make an impact. And, um, you know, it's, it's this unfortunate. It didn't work out. Like who, yeah. quits, like who quits like that middle of the seasons? It's like, it's just a car where to go out, finish what you started, you know? Uh, right. It says a lot about a lot of people. Uh, Nick, you're right. It's just like you got a lot of growing up to do. That's all. Uh, you just got to be men about situations. Start something, finish it. Yep. Um, other news, um, Kadarius Tony uh, went off uh, and then went off at the end of the game by punching a player. But he, <laughs> like um, 10 receptions, 189 uh, receiving yards uh, in the Giants game on Sunday, uh, which set a Florida Gators rookie wide receiver uh, record, which the number of wide receivers the University of Florida has put into the NFL over the last 50 years. It's an incredible stat. So congratulations to Kadarius Tony. And in other news, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, uh, Kyle Pitts has now set the record uh, for all-time tight end receiving yards in the first NFL game, our first five NFL games, pardon me, uh, with 308. Number two on that list is Florida Gator uh, Aaron Hernandez, and then number three on that list is also Florida Gator Jordan Reed. So uh, joins I mean, a list you. of Gators there, but um, I mean, Kyle Pitts went off in that game uh, in London for the uh, Atlanta Falcons. International catcher of footballs, Kyle Pitts. Hey, drop that on. Uh, drop that on um, uh, the big three roll up tight end. You. Yeah, <laughs> I got, I got to go. 
just to see Larry, <laughs> just to see Larry on squirm a little bit. No, you know? I got that on deck. I, I, I seen that that tweeted over on Sunday, and I jotted that down. I bookmarked this. I got to say that for the show. One hundred percent. All right, boys. Before we get into prize picks and our picks, anything else you guys want to talk about? Anything else you want to get off the chest, if you will? Hmm. Are you firing Nick? You firing somebody? Um, you know you want to do it. Fire somebody. You gotta fire one coach. Fire somebody. I'm not firing anybody. Oh, I'm scared. I'm not firing anybody. I I I want to fire the uh, the U.S. government. You know, that's firing the, here nobody. we go. I think I'm firing somebody. Right? Like I don't know I'm firing. I'm firing the government. Listen, hear me out. Oh boy, my my guy, my guy Jeremy Crawshaw sorry, here on a <laughs> here on a student visa. Can't oh, yeah, can't take part in name image likeness because he's on a visa. My guy could be having blooming onion sent mm-hmm. to his house on the daily and, and can't take advantage of it. He uh, he took the diplomatic approach, saying it's just a blessing to be here uh, and getting the opportunity to you know uh, get a, a college education and play some football along the way. Uh, but come on, give me an exemption. My guy needs to make some some cash on the side. Can he? No, I guess he can't. Never mind. I'm not going to even continue that take. I just don't understand uh, these rules. Like, why? Why is there a rule that the Aussie kid can't like go make some bread? Like, why? Yes, yeah. because that affects yeah. a lot of other sports too, right? Like right. Your swimmers and gymnastics, sure. and, you know, hockey and, and everything else. We have a large international presence, and I, I'm sure there has something to do with tax codes and things of that nature. But um, you know, have them get a work visa. I don't know. I'm sure that there's things in the NCA that they don't want to get into this worker employee type of situation at the university. Well, it's on the horizon regardless. All right. Well, hopefully it's during his career so we can uh, <laughs> see Jeremy Crosh on RT say, that's another booming onion. Here, here's one. They have Outback in his hometown in Australia. Did you guys dive into the differences between I heard Outback's not Outback. real like Australian food. It, it was a couple dudes, a couple white dudes from Tampa that just were like, hey, sure let's was. make a steakhouse and we'll just make it Australian themed. There's well, they, nothing they modeled, inherently Australian about Outback Steakhouse. They modeled it after Crocodile Dundee. That's a fun fact for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it was interesting to find that uh, there was an Outback in Emu Plains, Australia. Ah. Uh. The beautiful town. Like <laughs> Taco Bell in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, all right, boys. Imagine you Taco Bell in Mexico. That's crazy. <laughs> there, there are Taco Bells in Mexico too, which is crazy. No, because you're messy eating it though. That's like they, the um, that that's like the uh, the office episode when Michael's in in New York and he's like, ah, getting a great New York slice, and the camera pans to Sparrow. <laughs> yeah. Embarrassing. <laughs> Australia yeah. has the best water. Thanks for that fact. Uh, uh, Spencer. Spencer. Big facts. Yeah, big Spencer facts. Big meat facts for the show. Spencer <laughs> does not only does not only ship big meat across the country. He does um, dispense with big facts. So if <laughs> this there now is confusion. So during Streamyard when we record this, there's a little chat function. Spencer's there doing our social media. And he mentioned that they had the best water, but there's a, a slight time delay in his answer. So he was talking that Taco Bell has the best water in Mexico. Uh, we assumed that he was talking about Outback in uh, or Australia. Right. So right. sorry, we misunderstood your take, Spencer. But, well, 
Now it's great. It's great podcasting. Right it's here, great. Right? That's great material. Right there, right? <laughs> that's, that's yeah. That's why they pay us the big bucks. All right, boys. Speaking of getting paid the big bucks, let's give a shout out to our friends over at Prize Picks. Use promo code SG get a dollar for dollar match all the way up to hundred bucks uh, on your first deposit. Uh, you can bet in daily fa- or you can wager. Pardon me in daily fantasy. You can uh, mix and match sports. You can say I think Emory Jones is going to throw for over two hundred and twenty five yards, and I think the Rays are going to score. Uh, more than five runs in a game, for example. So uh, check them out, prizepicks.com. Sign up, use promo code SG. Even if you just want to check it out, signing us helps. Uh, signing up helps us. So again, prizepicks.com, use promo code SG. All right, boys, as we get into the game, then our final predictions of the game, uh, over under Anthony Richardson getting 10 plays against LSU. I mean, come on! I, like, I want. Do, I think we all want to buy it. We all want to take the over. Do we? No, I don't. No, not me. I don't not want me. to take. No, it. No, no. I, I think. I think oh, we would okay. like for that to be the case. I've seen this. So I've seen I this two I don't agree system. with that either, Nick. So Nick, I, I again, would like to see him get fifteen. Uh, well, then I, I'd like to see him get a lot more. I like. I like to see him go fifty-fifty against, like whatever. You know, I like to see this thing really, really go. But it ain't about what we want. It's about what we know we're about to get. Um. I'm out of money. <laughs> when has that ever stopped you? You just open up another line of credit, my dude. No, no, no. I don't care if it's free money. I can't be just giving it away. So it's going to be doing like three Brunt insurance ad reads. Like, what are you doing, man? He's like, ah, oh, we ran out of money. I had to keep buying right, some right. stuff. I don't, I don't um, know, bro. Um, I'm going to go under. Under under 10 plays for, for AR. It's gonna be it's gonna be about eight ugly ones. <laughs> plays yeah. that don't like make sense. Eight ugly plays. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna buy. I think that the Gators get out to a a lead and and Anthony Richardson plays a, a predominant part of the uh, the fourth quarter. But I will say this caveat: if the game is closer than maybe 14 points, I think that Anthony Richardson gets less than 10 care or than less than 10 plays. Yeah, I think they're just gonna fucking kill us with. The running backs in the flats and the drag routes and like that has just been open all game. And I just think I like safety and, and whoever guarding the slot wires, he was put in a bad position of trying to cover that. So I think this game gonna be close. I don't think we're gonna, we should smoke this team, but it may end up being close, man, just because how damn mother been playing this shit and calling the game. All right, let's see. Um, Anthony Richardson. I'm hmm. um, pardon me. Emory Jones had the most run attempts last week with 17. Emory Richardson, or oh, I'm sorry, he only had two. I'm sorry, I had I, I was toggling the wrong thing. Damian Pierce led the team with seven attempts last week uh, for 23 yards. Naquan Wright had seven attempts for 46. Uh, Gators end up getting 192 yards total uh, rushing against Vanderbilt. Buy or sell? A single running back gets more than 10 carries. A running back, not the quarterbacks, but a running back gets more than 10 carries in the game. And if so, who? Yeah, I'm selling. <laughs> oh man, uh, we've turned nah, I mean, into a I mean, prolific if, buyer into a prolific. If anybody, seller. if anybody gets like hot, we know like when you get hot, you just gotta take a break because now you just got the streets on fire. So damn money gonna rest you if you get hot because they don't want you to get the streets on fire. So ten is gonna be hard to get because even if you're good, you can't get ten on a good day. I'm trying to think. Like, when was the last time a running back had 10? Did you have to go back to, like, USF, I think? No, Nick. 
that I was just looking it up. I had a feeling you were going to ask. Malik uh-huh. Davis had 10 against Tennessee. Okay. Week two, you had no. And week one, you had 14 by Malik Davis. And in week three, you had 10 by Malik Davis. So Malik Davis is your only running back that has gotten 10 plus carries in a game. Uh, yeah, I'm with Silk. I'm selling. Okay. Well, I'll buy. Um, I think that Naquan Wright is going to get more than 10 carries uh, in this game. Uh, I think that Florida is going to be able to uh, to move the ball, not necessarily at will, but I think that they're going to be able to move the ball down the field against a very depleted LSU team. I don't think that they're going to score super quick because I do think LSU is talented enough to, to stop some of the big uh, breakaways. So I think that Florida is going to score, uh, but they're going to slow a little score, which is going to allow more rushing attempts. Um, and allow Naquan Wright to get 10, 11. He's going to get 11 rushes. That's very positive of you, Dan. I like it. I need Ben to keep me honest on that one. <laughs> Shout out to Naquan feet, bro. Like, I'm just like, super impressed by, like, the nifty footwork that yeah, your man is displaying this fall. Um, keep doing what you're doing. I hope he gets 10 carries, but I don't foresee it, Dan. Like, yeah, he's looking I too good you. out there. You don't, you don't actually, like – Move the ball consistently and no shit like that, Dan. That's a good point. <laughs> what would we <laughs> talk about, right? <laughs> yeah, like you gotta keep it interesting, man. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, all right, let's get into uh to turnovers. The Gators uh end up with uh two interceptions uh against Vanderbilt. They also threw for two interceptions. Uh, the Gators sit at minus three on turnover margin uh this season uh with Six total uh, turnovers gained, nine total lost. Uh, obviously, um, if you're adding three to that number, um, buy or sell. Uh, the Gators continue their streak of interceptions in a game uh, with one plus interceptions against LSU. Nick, we'll start with you. Um, yeah, I, I, I just want to buy something. I'll say, I'll say buy. <laughs> I'll buy that. I'll buy it. I don't. I don't feel great about it. But, you know, we'll just throw some monopoly money out there. We'll buy you it. Can't, you can't treat this like it's petty cash, Nick. You can't it's, treat this well, like it's your embers tab. You know, <laughs> not petty cash. That's uh, have to go again this week too. So oh, yeah, man, tough life. Maybe I should have sold it. Yeah. So. What was the buy or sell again? Yeah, no, I got you. <laughs> buy or sell the Gators get an interception. An interception. Um, these quarterbacks stink, but we just not have been like I gotta buy something, so I'm gonna buy it. Gotta you, buy I mean, you can you can buy. Hey, what's that. our what's our update? And I haven't even inquired about my man Kyrie. What's our update on on Kyrie? Dan said he's 100 percent ready to go, so there might be a, a surgery coming him. soon. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. He might he might he might he might do something to get an interception, <laughs> so we gotta get some rest. Might be getting his arm amputated. Who knows? But right now he's 100. <laughs> percent until game time, who knows, right? Yeah, right. Things magically change at game time. Um, I'm going to buy. I think the Gators are going to force Max Johnson to, to throw uh, two interceptions. Uh, I like one cornerback interception, then I like uh, a linebacker uh, to get an interception just to Shout take. Shout my man, Hop. Hop almost was my spirit animal of the week this week, but Rashad Torrance kind of took the cake. But um, Hopper's looking good at linebacker. He's not looking perfect. He's making some mistakes out there, but I like the way he's flying around with some aggression. Yeah, I'm going to look real quick here. Sorry for the, the quick delay Howard. here. 
Big hop. Um, in this game, you finally saw – so Avery Helm played most of the game. He had the most snaps uh, on the entire defense with 81. Uh, I thought that he held it down uh, pretty well uh, in that game. But in this game, you finally saw Derek Wingo get his most snaps uh, in his career. Jalen Lee got the most snaps that he's gotten in his career. Um, you did see some some new names out there. Obviously, a lot of those came uh, towards the end of the game when the Gators were – uh, were, were well on their way to victory. Antoine Powell played his most snaps that he's ever played. So you definitely got to see some new names uh, and hopefully a, a sign of, of things to come. Uh, a name that we haven't seen since the, uh, the Tennessee game, uh, Mordecai McDaniel uh, did, not, uh, did not play much. I think he had seven total snaps in the game. But um, all in all, Gators, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with what uh, the next comment was. So uh, – Finally, let's get into the prediction part of our show. Nick, give us a score, an offensive MVP, and a defensive MVP. Um, I think <laughs> I want to say that Florida, you know, goes in there, handles business. Um, I, I thought Florida probably looking past Vanderbilt last week a little bit to this LSU matchup. Um, credit that to, to a slow start. Um, but there's always like weird stuff. That happens uh, with Florida LSU. So I'll go probably a little bit closer. I think Florida will cover the spread. Um, I'll go like 32 to 17. Offensive MVP, I think it'll be Emory, Emory Jones. Um, I think he can think he can build off of what he did last week. I think, you know, uh, there's obviously still some areas that, you know, that can be cleaned up, but I think he'll be able to run, um, scramble, um, and he should be able to throw, especially with the guys LSU is missing. Defensive MVP, uh, I'm going to go with Jeremiah Moon, who I think was one of the only players who was on that 2016 team, that Hurricane Matthew year. Um, I don't think he played that year. He was redshirting, but uh, his last go around in the boot. So I'll say uh, Jeremiah Moon, defensive MVP. I'm going to go to score 24-13. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> What, what happened? Silk's vibe has changed a lot in the no. last couple weeks. No. Silk. Silk's. Man, this is this is a, a pedestrian effort um, by my play caller right now. So I'm not like – just keeping it in the buck, man. 24-13. Um, we do jump out. We'll sit on the lead and just try to drain the clock. We're not trying to, like, come in and beat the snot out of people anymore um, or at all. That's what – I mean, the big boys, the big boys do, man. Like, if Bama can come in and smack you, they're going to do that. George going to do the same. It's not like where we come in just try just Kentucky. to just get out of there. Kentucky, like, you got to come in and beat the crap out of people, man. But um, LSU is down. We're going to give them a nice little fight. I'm going to say 24-13. Um, defensive player of the game, I'm going with Zach Carter. Bro. I just think he's just playing great football this year. I'm going to get a nod to him. Easy pick. I think he go in there and bully some people around. And, and you know what I'm saying? And, um Slide some draft boards. Offensive MVP, I'm going to go with Nate Quinn because that's just the easy pick. They should lean on him um, very heavily. Or Copeland. Copeland's been hooping. Shout out to, shout out to Jacob Copeland. He had a coming out party a little bit uh, versus Vandy as well. Solid game. Probably his best game, right? Yeah. Uh, USF? Well, the USF, USF game. game but, the USF. Right yeah. but that didn't really count, right? I mean, it did. It counts, but there was those two huge plays, right, that obviously swung it in a completely different way. But I thought it was his best game overall. So he looked happy. For sure. That's what I, that's what I cheer for is fun and excitement. You know, these guys. Are hope, you just hope both teams have fun. 
No, I just hope our team has. No, fun. this season, that's where I'm at with at this point. Yeah, you just want to have fun now, win some games, see where we at, save some plays 2022. Who knows? Maybe end up in charge for the Duke's Mayo Bowl, right? No, nah, I ain't going. Um, Man, well, I guess I'll go solo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Nick will be there. Oh, Spence, I appreciate you uh, being timely with this. What is this uh, game at? Charlotte. Charlotte? Yeah, Charlotte's not bad in December. In I don't know. Oh, bring yeah, a coat, well, bring a hat, cover the head, cover the head up. Oh, that's a fact, Scully. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta cover the dome up, bro. You just came here out there raw dogging it. Yeah, <laughs> and that brings us to our manscape three. <laughs> Not yet, almost. Uh, I'll, I'll go Gator. I, I like the Gators to win thirty-four to fourteen. Yeah, 34 to 14. Uh, I think the Gators dominate this game. I think that LSU is going to be depleted. I don't know if they're they're going to be playing for much. I think the Gators force them to – I think if the Gators score quickly uh, and force, you know, either some turnovers or some punts, I think that LSU is going to be a little bit defeated. I don't know if they have much to play for other than pride. Uh, but outside of that, I, I think that Florida is a more talented team right now. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, because I said he's going to get more than 10 carries, I, I'm stuck with going with Naquan Wright. And on the defensive side of the ball – uh, I'll go with Rashard Torrance. I thought he had a dynamic game against Vanderbilt, and I think it it carries over. And I think that he's the the guy that we we need. Vanderbilt back there. was so slow. I just got to see him do it on faster talent. That's all. Yeah, they just was they were so slow. But he ran that alley uh, beautifully all all afternoon. So shout out to to Torrance. I love it. I love it. Well, I got one contender, yeah. contender or pretender Saturday, Kentucky, uh, Georgia. Uh, we might be living in a world where Kentucky is the SEC East champion if they can get if they can come away with a win Saturday. I like I like Georgia by twenty four plus points. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think it's going to be a lot closer than that. Twenty four points. Yeah, I think I think it's a one possession game at the most ten. I think I think Kentucky's a, a, a well coached football team. I don't know the best, who's the best team Georgia has faced so far. Uh, I mean, they look good. I'm not, yeah. not going to discredit Georgia at all, but I think there's going to be a, a little shock when they play. It's going to be some pushback. I think Kentucky's front four on defense is pretty stout. Um, better than I thought going into the game. So I think, yeah, I don't think it's going to be just like they come in and just smoke them by 20 something points. I don't foresee that. I mean, we've 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 already mentioned that that LSU is pretty bad, right? Um, right. Kentucky struggled moving the ball against Florida. They they only scored seven points on offense, and they had that huge chunk play, you know, for 42 mm-hmm. yards for the touchdown. Outside of that, they didn't look very good against South Carolina. They squawked, squeaked by, squawked, squeaked by Chattanooga. They struggled with Missouri, right? So I don't know who Kentucky has really beaten or shown that they can be a prolific you know, offense. I mean, sure they did well against LSU, but we've talked about all of the issues that LSU has now, right? So I, I don't think Kentucky can move the ball against Georgia. I think that Georgia maybe isn't a, a prolific offense, but I definitely think that they can move the ball against Kentucky. I think they're going to wear them down. And, you know, mm-hmm. I think that Georgia is going to be a very formidable matchup against Alabama this year. And I don't know. Even if they lose, if they if they if they win out and they lose in the SEC championship, they're still in the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. Right there with yeah. Iowa and Cincinnati. We got to play spoiler in that situation. Man, 
Silk's whole mood is just took no, five weeks. Talking, I'm just, no, I'm just talking to the lead, bro. Like, I can't. Uh-huh. I want you know, like, what, what am I cheering for at this point? Like, we just in third place in the East right now. I don't I don't see foresee both of those teams taking two L's. Uh, only, only way that happens is if, if Kentucky take an L this weekend. I mean, I'm sorry, if Georgia take an L this weekend in Kentucky, then it's possible that they could take two. Uh, Kentucky that, need to lose three. Yeah, we we just we're just out of it. I don't. Tennessee is like we probably got blessed playing Tennessee early in the season. If you want to have that conversation too, yeah. Tennessee that, that Tennessee right wins looking looking better and better. Right. Uh, I think I think Kentucky gets exposed. I think they uh, they are a pretender, and I think Georgia is like Dan said, probably the you know maybe maybe twenty seven points. I don't, yeah, probably. Um, but we we thought it was crazy I talk so that. Do you think? Because I mean, it's week one, but I think now that performance against Clemson not even impressive no more. Right? No, it's, no. it's actually was a shitty performance by right. by Georgia in hindsight. Um, yeah, but I, I I still think watching Georgia, I think every one of their front seven on defense is going to be playing in the NFL. Uh, I think all five of their starting offensive linemen will be playing in the NFL. I think they're going to be able to bully Kentucky. Um, before the year, people were saying, and we kind of bucked against it, um, that the SEC is Alabama, Georgia, and then everyone else. Um, and I, I think right now what we've seen is probably that. You know, Obviously, Alabama loses last week, um, but I think that's I think they look like the crazy. Alabama should have two L's. Yeah. They should have two L's. Jimbo just had the balls to finish off what we should have. <laughs> That's all. Um, shout out to Jimbo. But yeah. I said, and I said after we played Bama, I think they they got a couple or maybe one or two L's in their pocket. Um, just by, by the way they versus us, I thought they was a little vulnerable in the offensive line. They got some guys, but it ain't what the offensive line they usually have. So I like after we played Bama, I thought they was a little suspect. Um, they should have two L's right now. The refs helped them out a little bit more in our game than they did Texas and them. Uh, check bounce. The check bounce last week. Right. They weren't getting those same Bama calls. Did you guys watch um, the Arkansas Ole Miss end of that game? Uh, N- Final score 52 to 51. Yeah, Arkansas we were actually. I, I, like, I didn't two. watch it live. Yeah, we, Arkansas <laughs> decides to go for two instead of tying up the game. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Obviously, hindsight's 2020, but you go for the win and you know go for two or you try to take it to overtime. Um, Sam Pittman, you're, you know, you took over, a you know, a program that isn't a perennial power, um, not a ton of expectations. Um, you're only in year two. I think that's a, a, a call that you can make that gets your fans excited, even though it doesn't work out. Um, I think that's a call that the fan base goes, all right, cool. We like an aggressive coach. Yeah. Um, if you're in year four, year five, and, and you still stink and you're doing that, you probably piss people off, but year two, um, you know, you've had a couple good wins uh, in the last two years. So I think, you know, people will, will like it. I think it's probably the right time for him to make that kind of call, even though it didn't work out. Yep. Um, I mean, that's a team that, you know, put up a lot of points against Ole Miss, a team a lot of people are clamoring for their head coach that, that Georgia shut out, 37 to nothing. So we're talking about, you know, decent wins that, that Georgia was able to do. Um, you know, certainly um, you can you can look back at that. Um, do you guys think that this is the most anticlimactic so far Heisman Trophy race that we've seen in maybe a decade? Because I don't know. I mean, Bryce Young's probably your favorite. Yeah, this, this is, uh-huh. 
but Spencer Rattler is fell off, got benched against Texas. Um, you know, shout out to shout out to Lincoln Riley down to like bench somebody though. Oh, mad at that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't even know who who would the favorite be. Would it be Bryce Young? Yeah, I think point. he's barely the favorite right now. Um, you know, your your early hey, preseason favorites are not there. Yeah, Matt Corral uh, is up there. Let me pull up the list as it is today. NCAA Futures, Heisen Trophy. All right, so we got Bryce Young at plus 1.5. Mike, Matt, uh, pardon me, geez, Matt Corral right behind him at plus 180. Uh, then C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. Uh, B. John Robinson at Texas, Desmond Riddler at Cincinnati, Kenneth Walker at Michigan State, and then it goes down um, pretty pretty quickly from there. Um, Shout out to Matt Corral. Matt Corral's what? got 12 passing touchdowns, no interceptions, and leads the SEC, tied for the lead um, in the SEC with rushing touchdowns. Um, he has eight, and so does Tyler Batty. From Missouri. 20 touchdowns, no turnovers. That's a good year. It's not bad. Let's take that. Shout out to Matt Corral. Yeah, shout out to Matt Corral. Could have been good. All right, so tell us about male hygiene. Time to get balls deep into this ad read. Before you get balls deep, shave them balls with the lawnmower 4.0. Smoothest ride on a pair of balls. South of the Mississippi, lawnmower 4.0. You can use it in the shower. It has a nice little flashlight on it. So you, if you take those nice intimate showers like me with no light on, you still can get every single string of hair with that little LED light. It's pretty efficient. Coupon code SG at checkout is going to get you right. 20% off at checkout, free shipping. Uh, and be sure to get that ball deodorant. Still the best lotion that you'll ever find. Keep those things nice, smooth, and smelling good. They're good. Right before Christmas time. It is Christmas time. Get that gift set. If you love the, the man in your life, take care of his balls. They're good. Watch to live by. Well, Nick, it's <laughs> time to end the show. Those are like... It's a hell of a transition. So they don't teach that in broadcast school. Uh, <laughs> Not at all. And Nick, take us uh, take us out with the song of the week, and we'll see you boys next week. Same, yeah, um, same time, man. Before my song, um, congratulations, my friends uh, Jamie and Andrew uh, are in the hospital having their first child, a little baby boy. So uh, hoping mom and baby are happy and healthy tonight, and everything goes well uh, for them. So. Shout nice. out to them, and uh, it's uh, we have to go. We have to go Louisiana. I'm gonna go uh, Lil Wayne, featuring Jay Z, Mr. Carter for LSU. Oh man, that's a beautiful that's a good one. That's a nice little jingle there, Nicholas. I, I'm on. I'm on a. I'm on a little hot streak here. The last two, the last right. two songs, I've gotten the. That's a nice little jingle from Silk. So I, I think yeah, I'm yeah, doing yeah, something yeah, right you're here. In your bag. You're in your bag. I like right. it. We'll get a shutdown like a mod. <laughs> that, that was nuts. The emails that we got. Oh. <laughs> that was crazy. I, I listened to this podcast with my children in the car, and it's F this and F that. Hey, creative liberties. Oh, man. <laughs> got to read the room a little bit. 
Sometimes. Hey, same corner, same time. Same corner, same time. See you boys next week. Yo. Yo, Jordan Imp, this, this right here is cut. Yeah, I, I feel big. You know what I mean? Like, not, not big in the sense of weight. You know what I mean? Like, gaining weight up. Nothing like that. Like, colossal. Like, you know what I mean? Like, <sighs> I heard you were looking for me. From me to you, I heard somebody say, Church, I'ma need a suit, I'ma need a coop, I won't need a roof. Fly it and be the juice, be the juice, be the juice. I got the flow, I'm trying to see the roof. Didn't wear bulletproof, so I got shot and you can see the proof. Blind eyes can look at me and see the truth. One if Stevie do, but I'ma leave it to God, not be beneath the you. Cause I'm a murder, why I kill Owen, even you. Man, I got summer hating on me cause I'm hotter than the sun Got spring hating on me cause I ain't never sprung Winter hating on me cause I'm colder than y'all And I would never, I would never, I would never fall I'm being hated by the season So fuck y'all, hating for no reason Hey, Mr. Carter, I am Around the world and I'm back again Who's been asking about me? In case you're wondering, Rick Around the world, now I'm back again. Who's been asking about me? In case you run to repent. In and out the bank, bitch While y'all asshole niggas been on the same shit I flush them and watch them go down the drain quick Two words you never hear Wayne quit Cause Wayne win and they lose I call them April babies Cause they fools And when they snooze We up, feet up like a paraplegic Or paraplegic a parallel park and a red and yellow thing, old school Atlanta hawk. Like I'm from Kyle Park, but I'm from Holly Grove. Now all my blood screams, Sue, and da da do. I know my rule and I play it well and I weigh it well on my Libra scale. I suck a pussy, fuck a pussy, leave it there. I won't get on even Young. Care. Why bother? Show no mercy in Marcy, your lagers. So far from being the bastard that Marcy had fathered. Now my name's being mentioned with the martyrs, the biggies and the pox and the mollies and the marcuses. Garvey got me a Molotov cocktail. Flow, even if you box well, can't stop the blow. Kaboom, the rock boy in the room. The dope boy just came off the spoon. Also, I'm so fly, I'm on auto Pilot, what guys just stare at my wardrobe I see your rose, that's right, plural I took so much change from this rap game, it's your goal 
It's my go, yeah. And I'ma go so opposite of soft off the Richter, Hector, Camacho, man, Randy Savage, far from average, above status, quo, flow, so pro, I know, I ride slow, and when I pass, they say, what up, killer man, stop bringing up my past. And next time you mention Pac, Biggie, or Jay-Z, don't forget Weezy, baby. Been hustling, hustling hard. Shit, and I swear to everything. When I leave the surf, it's gonna be on both feet. Never knees in the dirt. You can try me, fucker, but when I squeeze it, hurt. Fine, we lose two lives. Yours and mine, give me any amount of time Don't let Miss Carter grieve at the funeral parlor Drip my tears down my sleeve Give me any amount of time Don't let Miss Carter grieve